You're listening to Blackpool Church Podcast. Join us for our Sunday gatherings to make friends, explore faith and encounter God. Visit our website, blackpool.church. This is the Talk Archive. Good morning. Um, my name is John. As Andy said, if we haven't met, um, come come and chat with me afterwards. I'd love love to meet you. Uh, and also, Andy's he's given away my talk as well. I'm, I'm over the past few weeks. We've been in the um, the book of Jonah, which is a really small book. It's only four chapters long, uh, and and it's my privilege to be talking to you about Jonah chapter three. Um, so I'm not going to dilly dally this morning. Let's head straight on in uh, to our Bible uh, uh, our Bible passage, and I'm going to catch us up on the story so far. Um, just before we read it. So Jonah is a prophet of God in the Old Testament. He was around uh, kicking about about 600 BC to 700 BC. Uh, And in chapter one, he was told by God to go to the city of Nineveh and preach against them, preach against their, um, their wickedness and their evil ways. So Jonah, he ran away not wanting uh, to do what God asked him to do. He ran away on a boat, Um, but God, not liking this, he sent a storm to go and engulf uh, the kind of sea that that, that was surrounding this boat. Uh, And it it looked like there was a, if you read Jonah 1, it it looks a bit tetchy at at times, and everyone thinks they're going to die. So what, they're trying to find a solution, and they come to the solution that how to stop the wind and the waves is to throw Jonah overboard. Okay, strange thought, but it worked. It worked. Um, And just when you thought the story couldn't get any weirder, God sent a fish to swallow Jonah. Yes, a giant fish, and yes, to swallow Jonah. And and it wasn't to eat Jonah. What God was doing was God was putting Jonah on a timeout in the fish. Any any parents in the room putting their kids on a timeout? I was put on a timeout many times. That's what God was doing with Jonah. And Jonah chapter 2, which Tom, uh, Tom, uh, Tom Swallow, Cura, is Tom here? There he is. Hi, Tom. Um, he spoke about last week. Uh, uh, and, and there's a prayer. Jonah 2 is a prayer written by, spoken by Jonah where, where Jonah says sorry to God uh, and he repents. Um, uh, and, and God, when, when, um, when he thought Jonah had done some really good thinking in the fish, um, he'd done his time out really well. He'd done some good three-day, three-night repenting and praying. Um, God said uh, to the fish to spit him out. So he was spat out. And here is, so that's, that's the recap. Here's, here's our passage today. The story picks up here. Um, and it's Jonah, chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going on a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes and covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This was the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything 
Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So uh, my first encouragement from this passage from Jonah 3 today is God was so generous. God was so generous. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm calling out the nerds this morning. Give me a wave if you've ever heard of the game, the video game Super Mario Brothers. Give me a wave if you've heard of it. All right, keep your hand up if you've ever played Super Mario. I'm not talking this Mario Kart or Mario Party nonsense, the Super Mario game. You've ever, loads of people. All right. Extra nerdy now. Keep your hand up if you've ever completed a game of Super Mario. Goodness me, we've got some nerds with us this morning. Welcome. I love it. We should play Mario sometime. All right, put your hands down. Wonderful. Um, And the aim, for those that don't know, of the the video game Super Mario is to uh, to rescue a captured princess called Princess Peach from the big, big bad guy called Bowser. And, and to do this, Mario has to run through multiple obstacle courses and levels. There's deadly walking mushrooms. There's turtles that throw things at you. There's gaping holes in the floor. And then um, there's a really fat, fire-breathing dragon at the end, just to top it all off. And if Mario does get hit by a flying ball of fire or a spinning turtle shell, sounds a bit weird, but when that does happen, what do you, what do you think happens? Do you, do you think that the... The PlayStation that I would... No, not PlayStation, Nintendo Switch or whatever it is. Nintendo DS, I had one of those things. Game Boy, whatever it is you played on. Do you think it just switches off? Do you think that Mario is thrown into some kind of prison for animated characters? No, that's not what happens. What happens when Mario does fail or go the wrong way or one of those things happens is he's taken back to the start of the game and he's given another go. He's given another chance to go and get the princess. This Super Mario illustration is a little bit like in our passage. Because Jonah is given another chance by God. In chapter 1 in the book of Jonah, God asks Jonah to go and preach to the city of Nineveh. And let me tell you about Nineveh just for a minute. Nineveh was the biggest city on the face of the earth at this point in time. It was massive. It had a population of about 120,000 people spanning a massive territory. And Nineveh was the capital city of the biggest, most scariest empire ever to hit the Middle East, the Assyrian Empire. It's a violent, it's a scary, and it's a sinful place is Nineveh. So put yourself in Jonah's shoes. You've just been told by God to up and leave your comfortable home to go to Nineveh, a terrible, scary, horrible place, and tell them to change their ways and turn to God. What do you do? What do you do? I always thought Jonah um, was a bit of a rubbish prophet. I always thought he was a bit of a scaredy cat. But after learning a bit about Nineveh, just the five minutes of research that I did to find out those facts for you, I've got, I relate to Jonah so much more. I've got so much more sympathy for Jonah. I'm not sure what I would do in that scenario. Don't know what you were thinking of, but I would certainly be terrified 
of that prospect of being asked to go and do what Jonah's been asked to do. And running away definitely would have come to my mind. Just like the video game Super Mario, Jonah has a seemingly impossible task in front of him. And as we know, Jonah runs away. But what does God do? What does he do? Does God kill Jonah? Does God throw Jonah in some kind of prophet jail never to return? No. Just like when Mario gets hit by a flying ball of fire, he's taken back to the start. Jonah was given another chance to get it right. He was taken back to the start and given another go. God is so generous to Jonah for doing this. Because this isn't Jonah's first rodeo. Jonah's been a prophet for a while. He appears in other parts of the Bible doing important prophet things. Jonah should know better. He should know that God keeps his word. He should know that God always makes a way for when he gives an instruction for it to be carried out. Jonah should know that God is for him and that God is with him. And despite all this knowledge and experience of God, Jonah still gets it wrong. And God, despite trusting Jonah... And giving it and, and all this experience God has with Jonah, God is let down by Jonah. And even amongst that, he was given another, God gave Jonah another chance. He was so generous in giving Jonah another chance, taking him back to the start to have another go. So I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're relatively new to faith. Maybe it's your first time in a church today. Maybe you've been a Christian absolutely donkey's years. I want to encourage you that the mission set before you in your life, whatever they might, that, that might be, it might seem absolutely monumentally huge. It might seem impossible. You might not feel good enough. You might not feel strong enough or clever enough. But when we mess up, which we will, we do. When we run away, because let's be honest, even prophets run away sometimes. Just like Super Mario, God picks us up and he takes us back to the start and gives us another go. Sometimes uh, we might need a little time out before we have another go, just like Jonah. But God will always bring us back to the start and give us another go. And in my experience of following Jesus and reading his word, um, I feel like that's taught me that God will never stop bringing us back to the start and giving us another go. Jesus himself, uh, in one of the Gospels, I can't remember. Apologies to my church leader over here for not doing my due diligence. Um, Jesus himself said um, that we have to forgive people not seven times, but 70 times seven for the same sin. If that's God's expectation on us, how much more will God forgive us? How much more will he give us another go? How much more will he love taking us back to the start and say, here you go. God has a rhythm of grace. And grace just means to give someone uh, something that they don't deserve. Jonah didn't deserve to have another go. We don't deserve extra chances. And God's grace has a rhythm because he takes us back to the star time and time and time again. God was so generous to Jonah and he's so generous to us. 
And my next encouragement for us in our journey through Jonah 3 um, is Jonah was obedient. Jonah was obedient. Dog owners in the room, give me a wave. Any dog owners? Yes. Um, uh, uh, Rach, my wife and I, um, we have a dog called Mabel. Um, we got Mabel when she was just an eight-week-old puppy on December the 22nd, a proper Christmas, proper Christmas dog. And we've done some training with, with our dog, Mabel. We've taught her to sit and lie down and roll over and all that, all that usual stuff. And we've recently, um, we've got Mabel a GPS tracker to go on her collar. And this particular GPS tracker um, uh, has a feature where um, you can press a button on your phone and it makes a noise. So we've been doing some training with Mabel, so that um, training her, so when she hears that noise, she comes to us, so that um, if we ever lost Mabel, that would be a really helpful thing, hopefully, we never have to use it, but she knows. Um, So now, um, after this training, when we press the button, she hears the noise, she knows that we're asking her to come, she knows that, so when she hears the noise, she's got a choice, to be obedient, or to dig more holes in the garden, for example, which she loves to do. Um, but she knows, and there is an impact because of her obedience. When she does choose to come, the impact is she gets a yummy treat. And another impact is the relationship, um, our kind of dog owner, dog relationship, gets a bit more intimate, a bit more close, doesn't it? This, um, this story about, about my dog <laughs> is a little bit like uh, in our passage where it says in verse 3, Jonah obeyed the Lord and went to Nineveh. Jonah, I found out, and I've checked this with with my church leader, I actually did that this time, um, was the only prophet in the Bible to ever have to be given an instruction twice by God. But eventually, Jonah does get round to obeying God. And what is the impact of this? What happens because Jonah chose to go and chose to say, yes, all right, I'll go after you've made this giant fish come and swallow me. Okay, I'll do it. What's the impact? And I think the impact... Um, uh, and also, um, in Jonah 1, just a reminder that God is going to destroy the city of Nineveh. 120,000 people gone, okay? What's the impact of Jonah's obedience here? And that's three things uh, for the note takers among you. Number one, the people of Nineveh believed in God. Jonah only said eight words, in, in my Bible translation at least, the NIV. He only said eight words, but evidently something clicked inside the Ninevites and they all turned to God, 120,000 people. Turn to God. Two, second thing that's happened. The Ninevites repented and they changed their ways. The scariest people in the biggest, meanest place on the planet changed their ways. And the third thing, God relented and he decided not to destroy the city of Nineveh because of um, the heartfelt repentance from the Ninevites. Just like when Mabel, our dog, is obedient and she comes, um, the impact is she gets a yummy treat and our relationship gets a bit closer. When Jonah is obedient, there is a massive impact. A huge whopping impact. Literally a whole city saved. So the good news for us today is that our obedience to God has a huge impact. Something I think that's really interesting uh, about this passage 
and I think it's something that God might be speaking to us as a church uh, in this season, um, is that the city of Nineveh is a very, very similar size to the town of Blackpool. And as well as that, Nineveh was known for its violence. And um, if you're visiting Blackpool, and if you don't know, but Blackpool does have some issues with violence. It's got um, with things like knife crime and gangs and drugs. And I'm not saying that it's your job or your job or our job or our responsibility to fix all that. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. That's a very overwhelming and daunting thought, right? But what I am saying is that our obedience to God has an impact. And Blackpool is a place that needs a bit of impact. Our families, our workplaces, our relationships, our schools are places that need impact right now. And I believe, I do believe, that like Nineveh, God has a plan to turn Blackpool upside down. To free the captives, to find the lost, to mend what's broken, to rebuild the ruins, rewrite the headlines, and restore the devastated. I believe that. So if that's God's plan, what was the plan? I'd love to know. What's next? What's God's plan for that? You are. I am. We are. We are the plan. Not because we know what to do, we don't. Not because we're good enough, because we're not. But because the Spirit of the Lord is on us. And the Spirit of the Lord has anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. Because we are his church. We are the body of Christ. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. That's us. It says that in the Bible. That's us. But we don't have to fix the problems in our town. I'll rewrite the headlines written over it. That's his job. God will do that. All we have to do is take one small step of obedience at a time. Do you want to know the best thing about being obedient to God? The very best thing. Just like when my dog Mabel comes to me when I hit the noise for the GPS tracker. The impact of that, she gets a treat. Our, our bond is made more close. I love that. I love, I love it when Mabel comes to me. And when we are obedient to God, he flipping loves it. He loves it when he calls and his children go. He loves it. When we say yes to God, he sends his Holy Spirit, which is just the Spirit of God with us. So I want to encourage us this morning. Our obedience has a huge impact. And our obedience to God brings a real intimacy to our relationship with him. And our final learning from Jonah 3 is that the Ninevites were repentant. The Ninevites were repentant. We've had, um, we've had God is so generous. Um, just like Super Mario, God takes us back to the start, gives us another go. And we've learned that Jonah was obedient. Our obedience has an impact, just like my dog Mabel, when she comes, she gets a treat. And the last one, the Ninevites were repentant. In our passage, John, uh, Jonah, um, he, he goes around the city of Nineveh preaching. 
Uh, and there's a moment when the, the, the news reaches the king, the Don, the big cheese of Nineveh. And, he, and the king sets out a decree for the whole city, 120,000 people. He's talking straight to them. And he says this, let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Then as a result of this, this happens in verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. The Ninevites repented and they repented hard, didn't they? They turned from their evil ways and God relents. He decides not to destroy them. And this is the kind of learning point I want to to highlight this morning. The Ninevites' repentance brought about their freedom. The Ninevites' repentance brought about their freedom. So if repentance brings freedom, we should probably talk about repentance, right? We all want freedom. We should probably talk about it. Repentance is a big and confusing word, a big confusing Christian word, isn't it, that we throw around in the church and in Christian circles. We talk about it. And, and repentance isn't just saying sorry, it's like that, but it's, it's not when you like bump into someone on the street and you say, oh, soz, mate. It's not that. That's not repentance. That's just saying sorry. The difference between repentance and sorry is that repentance contains a promise. A promise to turn away from the thing that you're doing that you're saying sorry for. So let's look, if you, I'm, I'm, repentance is a, is a big topic. I'm, I feel like I'm a bit confused. So let's look um, at the Ninevites' repentance, shall we? Let's, um, let's see what they did. Jonah, chapter three, verse six, says this. The king took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animal, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. The Ninevites, they're taking this repentance thing seriously. Even the cows are repenting. And I don't know what you're thinking. I, sorry, I know what you're thinking. What's sackcloth? And isn't this just really weird? This is so weird. There's always a line in Bible stories, right? When you think, oh yeah, love your neighbor, great. And then it goes to a fish swallowed Jonah. There's just a weirdness line, isn't it? And we've crossed it this morning. And we've, we've crossed it. What's sackcloth? Um, and, uh, and so something, I guess, just to note about this story is that the Ninevites are doing physical things to have a spiritual impact. Okay, that's helpful to know. Maybe in a lot of the Old Testament stuff, that's a helpful bit of information to help you understand the Bible a bit more. So they're, having, they're, 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 having, they're doing something physical to have a spiritual impact. And sackcloth, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, sackcloth is something that pop, crop, crops up in the Old Testament a number of times. And what it is, it's, um, it's a physical symbol and reminder of a couple of different things. It might be mourning, but in this instance, it's repentance. And when, there isn't a moment when you're wearing sackcloth that you don't know that you're wearing sackcloth. It's a very rough, itchy, scratchy material. It's horrible. And this will be a constant reminder. Every moment of every day that you're wearing sackcloth, you'll know. It's a constant reminder that you're, of what you're doing, which is repenting. On top of that, none of them are eating, so they'll be hungry. If I don't eat lunch at 12 on a work day, I know it. Every second, I'm like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And that's what's happening here. There's a constant reminder of what they're doing. 
So if we're learning from this, the book of Jonah today, if we're learning from the Ninevites, are we supposed to repent like this? Are we supposed to, when, when we mess up, which we do, are we supposed to starve ourselves and put sackcloth on ourselves and our dogs? Are we supposed to do that? Well, the simple answer is kind of, but no. <laughs> um, I don't think, I mean, we, in the church, we have lots of symbolism with communion and all that kind of stuff. So we can, we can remember stuff however we'd like, but I think there's a particular reason why it's a, it's a no, but kind of. And the reason is about 700 years ago, not, not years ago, 700 years after Jonah, there was a man called Jesus. And in the Bible, God sent countless prophets, rulers, kings, teachers. He sent loads of people to God's people and telling, to tell them to repent. Because God hates sin. He hates it. And he doesn't put up with it forever. Because God is a, God is a just God. And sending all these teachers, preachers, rulers, judges, it wasn't working. People weren't repenting and turning away from their sin for a long enough time. So God hatched a plan, a master plan to solve this repentance problem. And he sent Jesus. Jesus was the master plan. Jesus, God's own son, a man, a prophet, a teacher, and God himself. The solution was radical. It was bold. God sent Jesus to die on the cross, to bear the most brutal punishment and death, and thus solving the repentance problem. Why? Because for all the sin of the world, for everyone who believes, even, even here today, even for us, as Jesus died, all of our sin died with him all of our mistakes all of our mess all the reasons why we need to go back to the start it died with him and then three days later Jesus rose from the dead and then a bit later he ascended up to heaven and from there sent the Holy Spirit the presence of God with us instead of one man in one place he was spirit everywhere with every heart who believes repentance is different for us compared to the Ninevites because as it says in verse 9 in our passage, the king says, Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. The Ninevites didn't know that God would forgive them. They did all this fasting, lying in the dust and wearing this horrible sackcloth and putting it on their animals completely blind. They didn't know. They had no idea that God would forgive them. And the good news for us today is that it doesn't matter what evil we've done, who we've chosen to be. We can come to Jesus with the full confidence, and I mean full confidence and full assurance, that when we repent, when we say sorry with a promise, he will forgive us. Because for all who believe, as I said, even today, this could be you. Because our evil, our sin and mess is already gone because Jesus dealt with it on the cross. While it is true um, that Jesus paid for all of our sin on the cross, I do think the series of Jonah that we've been in for a couple of weeks does highlight that I think, um, that, that we think that repentance is still needed after the cross and after Jesus. Jonah, a prophet of God, repented in the fish 
bringing him a freedom to undertake his mission. Jonah got right with God. The Ninevites, an evil, violent people, repented. The Ninevites got right with God. I want to encourage every single one of us this morning to get right with God today. This will mean so many different things for for each one of us. But maybe today you're here and you relate a bit more um, to to, um, the Ninevites and the Ninevites in the story. That might be um, that you've done some things for your whole life maybe, for a long time, and you didn't know that it was hurting God, it was hurting you, it was hurting other people. That might be that you've never repented, sorry, with a promise to Jesus. Or maybe you relate a bit more to Jonah in the story. Maybe you've been around the church or you've been a Christian a long time. Maybe there's some things that you've been continually pushing under the rug and not dealing with. Or maybe you've been a bit more of a churchian than a Christian, coming to church on a Sunday and then going home and then not having a thought in the world for, for Jesus or God or the Bible or anything like that. Maybe that's you. When we repent with the full knowledge that Jesus will forgive us, our repentance brings a freedom. Because we align ourselves with God, we begin to sing from the same hymn sheet again. Because we've got right with God. And our journey through Jonah um, 3 has come to an end. We've got, we've got Jonah 4 next week. But we've learned that God is so generous. Like Super Mario, God takes us back to the start and gives us another go when we get it wrong. We've learned that Jonah was obedient. That just like my uh, dog Mabel's obedience when she comes to me, the impact is she gets a treat. Our intimacy is, is developed. Our obedience to God has a huge impact. And we get so close to him, we have an intimate relationship with God. And the Ninevites were repentant. And repentance brings freedom. Amen.